Uh, you're never going to serve God on mission until you know him in relationship. Uh, this God that we proclaim, the God who makes himself known to us by coming uh, to us personally in, in, in the one Jesus Christ, understand he's a personal God, an, an intensely personal God, and, and he wants a relationship with you. You're not just a soldier for him. You're not just a missionary for him. First of all, it's a loving relationship with him that he calls you to. And I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes even those of us who want so desperately to serve him, we forget first to know him and to love him. So this morning, I just want to call you back to the God who uh, knows you, is always with you, and has this mission for your life. But it begins with a loving, uh, intimate relationship with him. Psalm 139 is a place to go this morning, so let's look there first. Start with verse 1. It's just so beautiful. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Verse 23, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Keep your Bibles open. Go back to verse 1. Verse, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Verses 1 through 6 begin this amazing psalm by simply praising the God who, who knows us. Austin, do I have a picture? Do you have a picture that I can put up right here? Uh, I added a picture to my Facebook page a while back. Uh, if it doesn't show up here, you can go to Facebook.com and, and, and look me up. After the Haiti trip, I simply posted a picture of myself in Haiti, here we go, uh, eating a coconut. 
not eating a coconut. Actually, one of the guys had taken a machete, which is awesome. I, I wish I had any chance in life to, to use a machete every day, but he would take the machete and just whack off just enough of the top of the coconut just to expose a, a little hole of the inside. And on the inside of the fresh coconut is water. It's coconut water. It's fresh. It's, it's delicious. And it's what we were drinking after a hard day's work. I just put that on Facebook. I didn't put a caption, nothing. I let y'all figure it out. I let y'all deal with the do-rag and all that. I just put that up. But instantly, Instantly after this picture went up, I started seeing ads everywhere on the internet for um, Cocoa Vita Pure Coconut Water, like everywhere. Every time I go on Facebook now, I, I see ads for, for bottled coconut water. Okay, what does that tell you? Somebody's watching me. Somebody's w watch me. Apparently, Google and Facebook not only watch me, but they talk to each other. You understand? One day on Google, I, I went, I was thinking about getting a new grill, so I looked up Weber grills. And then when I went back to Facebook, what did I get? Ads for Weber grills. Yeah. Obviously, they're watching me. Obviously, they're talking about me. And obviously, they know an awful lot of, about me. If you ever want to be horrified, next time you get an ad on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, uh, there'll be a little downward arrow in the upper right-hand corner, click on that arrow, and then you'll see an option that says, why am I seeing this? Go ahead and click on why you're seeing that, and they'll tell you why you're seeing it, and you'll start getting an idea of how much they know about you. Yeah, yeah. They know a lot. Now, is it all that wonderful to be so well-known? Do you really want people to know? Do you want anybody to know everything about you? Because this is exactly what the psalmist, uh, this is where he begins with, with his praise. He says, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. Is that wonderful or is that horrifying? You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts. He knows my thoughts. Y'all don't even know my thoughts. Y'all don't know what I'm thinking because I try really hard sometimes not to say what I'm thinking when I'm with you. Don't you? I mean, nobody knows our thoughts, and yet it says God knows our thoughts from far away. That means from far away. He knows every single thought in your head. You see me when I go, when I'm at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. If he knows what I'm going to say before I say it, why doesn't he stop me sometimes? You go before me, you follow me, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's, the psalmist says it's actually wonderful to be known like this. Is it wonderful to be completely known? Well, I guess it all depends upon what's inside the heart of the person who knows you like this. You understand? If it's an enemy who knows everything about you, you fear that because you know that they will do you harm. They'll use the information that they gather about you in order to harm you. If it's Google or Amazon or Facebook, they're going to use the information that they know about you in order to sell you something. It's not about you, it's about them. But understand, the, the beauty of this psalm is that we're reminded that the one who knows you best is the one who loves you most. The one who knows you best loves you most. If you wonder about what's in the heart of the one who knows everything about you, there's nothing in his heart for you except love. Absolutely nothing in his heart for you except love. Can you even grasp the extent to which you are loved? 
This is the God who made you, the God who formed you inside the darkness, the seclusion of your mother's belly. What was he thinking when he made you? I don't mean that like, what was he thinking when he made you? <laughs> it sounded like that. Uh, <laughs> what was he thinking when he made you? <laughs> no. Uh, what was he thinking? He was dreaming a dream for your life. He was making a soul beautiful and precious to him. Did you even understand that? He, he, he made you. He, he, he knows your innermost parts, the scripture says. In other words, for the most part, I only know your skin. I see your skin. I see the outside. But God is the one, the only one who can see my innermost parts. He formed me. He sees me from the inside. The problem with only seeing each other's skin is that most of us stop right there. That's all we know and that's all we need to know. But God searches you. He knows you. He loves you. I, I guess next, next to God is my wife who knows me best and loves me most. You understand? For the most part, those who don't love us, they don't know us. They don't understand us. But, but the God who knows you completely, he loves you so very fully. This God loves you. Loves you. But, but the scripture goes on, and, and it's amazing. Verse 7, I, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. It's not just that he always loves me. He's always there. I mean, God is literally always there. Now, I know that's complicated for a lot of us because even in church, statistics show that we can divide this group, uh, any group, up into about three equal, more or less equally, equal parts. In other words, uh, you could divide us into thirds. Uh, about a third of us in this room are regular churchgoers, all of us, but about a third of us would say that we regularly experience the presence of God. Of, of church people. Only about a third of us would say that we regularly know and experience the, 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 the presence of God. There's a second group. The, the second group of us would say that, that we never do, never, ever experience the, the presence of God. The rest of us say sometimes maybe not sure if we ever do, not sure would be the third answer in it. So a third of us say we, we experience his presence. A third of us say, I don't know. And the rest of us say never. That's not what the psalm says. The, the, the psalm says, I can never escape. Everywhere I go, you, you're there. Why is it that if this God is always there for us, that so many of us go through lives and we're not sure if, if ever, maybe never, have we experienced him? What do you say about that? Is there a way that you can enter in and, and experience the, the presence of this God if he's real and if his presence is real? Yeah, yeah I, I would say this. The, the first step is, is simply this. First, believe he's already there. But believe is my word there. Now understand, a lot of us say, well, I don't feel God's presence. I don't feel anything. When I go to church, I don't feel anything. We just celebrated the Lord's Supper here in this room. And for some of us, there was a very rich 
rich experience of God's presence. I would say that this morning was a very rich experience of God's presence for me, even in this moment. I feel his presence with me as I preach. I feel that, and I don't always feel it. And I want you to be clear, I don't always feel it. And I'm not asking you to feel anything. I, I don't know about feelings. It's kind of strange. Sometimes I feel things. Sometimes I don't feel things. I'm not asking you to feel anything. And in this relationship with God, you're not supposed to lead with your feelings. You can't trust feelings. Some of you don't feel nothing ever. I mean, understand? I mean, you know, just never. You're not that kind of person. You don't, you don't, you don't cry when they play the national anthem. You don't get all, you know, sentimental at Christmas. You're just not that kind of person. And you're not being asked to become a different kind of person in order to enter into a relationship with the Lord. So understand, the word is believe. We're not asking you to feel anything. We're asking you to, to, to believe something. It starts with believing. Faith is not feeling, it's believing. So first off, simply believe that God is already here. Believe that he's already there with you. Just believe. But believe that and then be still. This is what scripture says. This is what the psalmist says in Psalm 46.10. Say it with me. Be still and know that I am God. Just be still. Be still. The Hebrew word there simply means to cease striving. Stop working so hard. Stop thinking so hard. Stop trying so hard. Just stop and be still. Believe that he is present and then you just be still and you wait for him. Be still and know. It doesn't say be still and then get the feelings. It's not about feeling. It's about knowing. Be still and simply know that I am God. This is where the practice of God's presence begin. You just know that he is there. You believe that he is there and then you just be still. Book of James says it this way. Draw near to God and he will say it. Draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, wait just a minute. I just said he was already with you. That's what the psalmist said. He was already with you. Ah, now, now we get the message. He comes and goes. Kind of like your, your, your Wi-Fi signal. You can't see it, but then you look up and it's gone. And, and some of you think that God's away. He's coming and going. Coming and going. So sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not there, but maybe he'll come back to you. Is this what the scripture means? God's not always there, but sometimes when you're lucky, he will be. If you get in, the, you know, unless you're in one of those dead zones, but then, then you look up and, and, and if you're especially good, if you, if you'll draw near to him, then he'll come near. Is this is what the scripture says? No, no. He, he's already always with you. He's already always with you. And it's not so much that he's not with, with you. Well, what you have to recognize is God is present for you. He's just waiting for you to be present with him. It's not that he comes and goes. It's that you come and go. The problem is not that he's not faithfully present. You're not faithfully present for him. He's always with you. His thoughts are always fixed upon you. The problem is your thoughts, thoughts aren't always fixed upon him. His heart, his face never turns away from, from you, but you constantly forget him. So the scripture reminds you to draw near to him. And when you draw near to him, then you will experience his manifest presence once more. It's not that he comes and goes, you come and go. It's not that God is unreliable like the Wi-Fi signal, you are unreliable like the Wi-Fi signal. It is not that God is not always present. He's always there. The problem is you're not always there for him. 
If you don't experience God's presence in this worship service today, it's not because God hasn't shown up. You haven't shown up. Did you understand? I'm not asking you to feel something. I'm asking you to know something, to believe something. He's with you. He's present. He never leaves you. So be still. Know that he is God. Know that he is with you. And then you be present for him. He's just waiting for you to be present with him. Go on. This is the good part. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So God loves you. God is always with you, and God has a plan for your life. God has a mission for your life. Remember, we've been talking about life on mission. And, and, and the fundamental truth of your life is that this purpose, this plan that God has for you, is, is, is a plan that was formulated even before you were born, even before you saw daylight, even before you took a breath of air. In the darkness of your mother's womb, while you were still being knit together by God's own hand, all of the days of your life were written out in his book. Can you even fathom that? That's why the psalmist says, these kind of thoughts are, are marvelous. It's just too wonderful for me. It's too much to think about. Now, when we read these verses, we've got 2D and 3D and now 4D ultrasound. We've got some idea of how a baby comes together in the mother's womb. But the psalmist had none of that. He had never seen anything about what happens inside the, the mother's womb. We, we sort of have some idea, but, but the fact of the matter is the psalmist understands that God was already there. None of that was hidden from God's eyes. God sees, God knows. And every single day of your life, every day was already written down in his book. He's planned out your life. So what exactly does that mean? Because as we gather here today in worship, or as you listen to this sermon wherever you are, I'm telling you, your life's in some kind of shape. And the problem is a lot of our lives aren't in very good shape. Some of us are, are listening today and our life is a mess, a total mess. And it sounds like this psalmist gives you a pretty, good, a pretty good rationale for blaming God for that. If every day was written down in his book, and I'm living a day like yesterday, I mean, my Saturday night, if, if last night, Saturday night was what it was, then God's the one who wrote that in his book. Now, I'd like to suggest to you that what you did last night had nothing to do with what God put in his book. I know that's shocking for some of us because we think, wait, wait, God is God. If he writes it in his book, then it's in his book. Well, here's the thing. God doesn't get everything he wants out of your life. I know that's strange, and especially strange because today in our day, there's a whole trend in preaching and teaching that, that God is sovereign and God gets everything he wants, that there's no way to thwart his purposes and his plans. And, and I agree with that in, in a large sense, but, but, but the truth remains, the God who made you, who loves you, who, who's always with you, he simply refuses to work you like a puppet on a string. He doesn't. He doesn't. And yes, he has a perfect plan for your life, but the problem is I, I rarely ever am in cooperation with him. 
He's giving me freedom to choose. And I make choices. I'm making choices now. And you're making choices now. And the dreadful truth is we don't always choose God's plan for us. And that's why lots and lots of things can happen in my life that God never intended. And some of the things that have happened to you, God never intended. You wrote that page in the book, not God. Do you understand that? I know it sounds strange. God is sovereign. God is powerful. How can you have more power than God? You don't have more power than God, but God has given you freedom to reject him. God has given you freedom to say no to all of the pages that he's written for your life in his book. You can still say no. And unfortunately, tragically, sinfully, painfully, you say no. And so do I. I don't experience all of his blessings. I don't experience all of the wonderful things he would do. I don't experience them because I refuse him. Yes, God loves me. Yes, he has a marvelous plan for my life, but I am horrible, simply horrible at walking in his ways. Does it make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying God is not sovereign. I'm not saying God is not all-powerful. I'm just saying in his sovereignty, he's given you freedom. And with your freedom, you walk away from him. You do it every day. So do I. It's horrible. Why would we walk away from this God? This God who comes near to us in Christ, this God who loves us enough to die for us, why would we say no to him? This God who knows us so completely, who knows us so intimately, this God who alone knows everything he's put inside of us, why would we not trust him with our lives? Why would we think for a single moment that we know better than he does about which way we should go? Why do we refuse him? So understand that your life right now is the sum total of God's plan and the choices you've made. It's a, it's a sum total. It's, it's, it's complex. But it's a sum total of God's plan for you and the choices you have made. And some of the choices you have made, God never intended for you. Let's be honest. God never intended you choose some of the paths you've chosen. So what do you do? I mean, I can't back up now. Life has no rewind button. Understand, I don't get to go back. I don't get to remake some of the choices. I don't get to start over. I'm a 51-year-old man. I've made mistakes, and there's no way now to go back and, and, and correct everything that I've done wrong. How can I possibly get back to God's perfect plan when I've already thrown so much into this thing that's, that, that's totally gotten it off track? Some of you this morning would say that about your life. There's just no way to undo what's been done. You can't unscramble the eggs. Well, the end of the psalm. Go with me, verses 23 and 24. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. That's the freedom part. 
He made me, but he didn't put things in me that offend him. I have introduced these things. It's what sin is, you all. It's what it means to be a sinner. I've introduced things into this equation that God never intended. And now there are inside me, this God who created my innermost parts, there are now things inside me that offend him. God, I want you to search me, and I want you to point out all the things in me that offend you. I want to know what they are. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me. L- lead me. What's that mean? To, to be led of the Lord. Really simply, I, I think it means that I want God at every step of the journey. I, I want God speaking to me. I, I want God to direct the choices I make so that when I choose, at every, every moment when I have a choice to make, I continue to choose his way. If God has written out the pages of my life in his book, I want to live that story, not the story I write for myself or the story that other people would write for me. If God's got a story, I want to live his story. But the only way I can do that is by simply saying, Lord, you've got to lead me. I have this horrible tendency when given a choice just to choose the way that, that satisfies, satisfies me in the moment or, or, or somehow makes me feel better about myself or look better in other people's eyes. But Lord, I want to choose at every step. I want to choose the path that you have for me. So that's what you're asked to do. You can't change the past. You can't undo what you've done. You can be forgiven because of Jesus. Your life is the sum total of God's plan and the choices you have made, but your future is the sum total of God's plan and the choices you're about to make. So what I'm saying is you've got choices to make now. Make good ones. Choose to follow him. Choose to be led by this God who knows you and loves you and never leaves you. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me. Lead me in the paths everlasting. Along that path that he leads me is what we call this life on mission. He has a purpose and a plan and work for me to do. But I just want to remind you this morning before, before that mission comes a relationship with God. It's not enough to want to serve him. You need to want him, a loving relationship with the God who made you, never leaves you, would guide you if you would follow him. So follow him. Pray with me.